As an announcement, we will be changing our posting schedule for this project. If you're curious about our new schedule, you can check in the description of this episode or the description of the podcast or YouTube series for more information. Now I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to our ninth episode of Widening the Circle as Sacred Story. Um, so we're your co-hosts. I'm Sky Williams Tao, and I use they/them pronouns. And I'm Jamili Omar. I use she/her pronouns. And in this episode, we're discussing the lay leader of color avatar in Widening the Circle. Um, and the question we are considering is. How do we care for souls? So we'll get into that in just a little bit. But first, um, first I invite us all to get grounded um, in whatever way that makes sense to maybe put our feet flat on the floor if that's something that makes sense for you in your location or with your body. Um, but think about grounding yourself and who you are and where you are maybe check a little bit out of the podcast to, to check into your surroundings. Um, maybe taking a breath in and out. And letting yourself settle into this place and time um, where we are together across the interwebs and across space. And I will read our opening words, our chalice lighting words, as Jamili lights our chalice. We return to love again and again and again. We value what is true. We honor holiness. We try and we grow and we fail and we rest and we try. We are here together now. We need one another. We covenant. So we talked in an earlier episode about the purpose of these avatars and they serve a really important function in the book and in the collection of the testimonies. Um, and we talked before that there are a lot of folks that weren't willing to um, give these testimonies again because they had testified and been ignored or harassed or um, in some other ways let down, nothing has changed. And um, the, the, the folks giving their testimony were seeking some anonymity. And so these are compilations of different stories. Um, and also the, the committee was looking to make sure that those voices were heard in the document. So they serve a really important function too, I think. Um, and that's why we wanted to examine 
these uh, avatars as standalone pieces because we want to lift up the fact that there, there were a lot of people that took a lot of risk in order to share these stories with us and we want to honor that that testimony yeah and i think it's worth noting just like to to reiterate like the the commission did a lot of interviews <laughs> like they did a lot of talk to a lot of people so it's really coming out of um one thing you know like i think that's also valuable about these avatars is they really anchor us in these lived experiences that people have that are you know some of some of the chapters are a little can be or feel i think a little more abstract but this is really anchoring us in that lived reality that is i think actually sort of the the base stuff out of which this report is made like i think the commission sort of started from that interviewing, started from talking to people, started from, you know, doing different ways of thinking about that, and and then came to these broader categories and um, recommendations. Yeah. yeah, and that's really important. And, and that's how we came to this episode's question is how do we care for souls? Because as we were reading and discussing this particular avatar, we felt all the different ways that this person as a person in their wholeness, their beingness wasn't cared for. Um, and we also really debated that word souls. Do you wanna give us your interpretation of that word? Cause I know that we'll have um, people that will say, well, but, but I don't even believe we have souls. What do you mean by souls? Yeah, yeah, I was, um, one thing I was reflecting is I do think I feel myself drawn more and more <laughs> to like religious language and to really, because I think it, pulls us in a particular direction. Um, so one thing we were talking about with souls is this idea of, uh, you know, you think of a person as a self or as like a mind or a body. And I think us using the language of soul asks us um, to go a little bit deeper than that, to really think about what is precious about this, this person, this human being, this, you know, this unique sort of soul in this world. Um, I think it also pulls us in the direction of faith development of um, you know thinking about this person as a spiritual and religious person um, by using that sort of explicitly religious language to really pull, to to center this person as a religious being right which because one of the things we're reflecting on is you know um, that part of what our churches do is this faith development of people throughout their lives and you know <laughs> thinking about some of the ways that went really sort of horrendously wrong with this this particular person who entered this church um yeah that's what yeah yeah and that that um went horrendously wrong with this with this avatar it was really pronounced for me even in the um third paragraph of their story mm -hmm. is that um you know the the avatar per mallory talks about how uh, they found unitarian universalism through justice work a lot of our congregants do and and we are very active and very proud as we should be about the justice work we're doing out in the world and people find us and are looking for a spiritual home for their souls and this particular testimony starts with after a couple of months of attending service and a book club the minister asked me to join the board and when i read that again i was I, my first response was how I want to use the word irresponsible of this system to take somebody who is so new in Unitarian Universalism and ask them to take on such a profound leadership role where 
we haven't been nurturing that person all along. And there's reasons why even when we're short on viable people to be on our board, we really do want to consider, is this a leadership position that's going to feed their soul? And is this, is this gonna help them develop and grow spiritually? And I think there are leadership roles that do. And I think we can definitely grow our spirituality or our soul through leadership work. And it was clear this wasn't the right time for this person in my mind. Right, which I know, you know, I think is this question of volunteering and especially in the modern day, more generally, right? Like, especially with younger folks, because <laughs> like, you know, generational shifts around uh, not like the value of wages declining and not paying people in commiserate ways with, um, in ways that allow them to access good standards of living that include time off. Like the, the volunteering patterns are changing. Um, mainly because people just have less time to volunteer because they're too busy working to survive. <laughs> um, uh, and so I think like in that, there's also this question of, you know, really having volunteer positions that are um, like, how is leadership in the church? Not just a thing that sort of you're expected to do. It's a thing that, you know, but how is it a thing that is feeding your soul? It is genuinely part of your faith development journey. And I think, something like the board, I think actually like really can be that. Um, but I think part of that is, you know, giving back to a community that's given to you. Right. <laughs> and like, if you've been there for three months, there's just not that. Um... Reciprocity. Yeah. yeah. Is it reciprocity that, that this, this congregation has not yet been the safety net for Mallory yeah. that, that, this congregation is taking and taking, like come in and be our leader. Um, and then on top of that, the microaggressions um, towards their leadership yeah. and the dismissing of their concerns over and over again so that they finally felt like they couldn't trust and have the support in the community that they came looking for. Right. And so also this piece, right? I mean, thinking about the chapter and governance and governance being about power, this in a way, I mean, like this is an inviting somebody into a position of power without actually wanting to give them any power, <laughs> like without actually being willing to listen to them, without being willing to, um, to hear, hear their, you know, like the concerns of their soul, I think is, yeah. is one way to say that, but, um, yeah. Yeah. And to, you know, the, the fact that, the way that Mallory came into the church was through social justice and then um, to be consistently shut down and dismissed when Mallory brings up social justice concerns um, is also a way of almost want to say gaslighting that they mm -hmm. set her up they set Mallory up for failure um, mm -hmm. that here's somebody with a very clear articulated passion and now we're going to undermine them every step of the way and um, that feels like gaslighting in a way. Yeah, and just to lift up what you're saying, or just to lift up the piece there that is, um, we were talking before this about what gender Mallory is, and we could not actually find a gender in here. So I think I use they, them pronouns, you know, <laughs> she, her, we, he, him, we don't actually know what pronouns Mallory uses. Um, so just, just as a note, <laughs> as we're discussing yeah. this, right? <laughs> um, oh, man. And then I had another thing I wanted to say off what you said, and it just flew out of my brain. Um, 
oh yeah the intersectionality piece right like like it says explicitly yeah. talking about you know that everybody was sort of would look at Mallory when discussing race but when they had a thought about you know pronouns and and uh more sort of queer issues that was like kind of erased from from who Mallory is or is not it was not just like the the it feels clear that they were not considered in sort of their wholeness and in the ways that they bring multiple facets of who they are or who Mallory is to the table. So how do we answer the, the question, what do we learn from this avatar? You know, what do we learn from the situation with this person? Clearly, um, it, it might be easy to dismiss as this is one one person, one congregation, um, but I think there's something bigger to learn from this. So this might be, this is, I mean, one takeaway I think I have is actually around uh, theology and spirituality anchoring our justice work. Um, and in ways that allows us to, I mean, because one, one part about this, right, this is a church that seems to be involved in external justice work, or at least in the sense of like, um, they were, I think at this Black Lives Matter rally, mm -hmm. um, but were clearly not internally reflective about um, their own like selves, the way their systems were working, right? The way this was in their governance or their church, um, like that, 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 sort of dissonance, I guess, between this, this sort of doing, doing activism in the streets, showing up for protests, but not, um, not having it, it really be part of the sort of fabric of their community. Um, mm -hmm. Which means it also didn't become, it, it, there's a lot of looking out at the system that, that we live in and not a whole lot of looking in at the congregation and how the congregation replicates white supremacy culture, replicates um, heteropatriarchy, like, like all of those things. Like, how does that come into our congregation and our relationships with each other? Again, in ways that are, that are really dismissing and demeaning of people's beings. Um, right. And, and like one of, you know, one of, I guess, I guess I think of the theological anger because one of the things I've been thinking about is like where in our, like places in our theology that really speak to why this is a problem. <laughs> um, and I think one of those is around this idea of caring for souls in the sense of like, you know, like soul taken to mean people's like sort of, um, vulnerable selves, their entire selves, their wholeness in the ways that we can, right? Their religious and faithful selves, their, um, uh, you know, as sort of like this, they're like not, not their worth that they produce, not their sort of capitalist dystopic number self, but their like human self. Um, and that like clearly Mallory's experience was like incredibly not recognizing them in that way or not recognizing Mallory in that way. Um, and I, I do think theologically, like I think that's 
like the anchor for me is, is like, you know, like the inherent worth and dignity of every person, but sort of almost like deepening that in a way, or like holding that in a more spiritual way. I don't know, like something with it. And then that, that being sort of where theologically I'm like, that's, we're not doing that in our churches and we should be right. Or, and, and like, and, uh, and not even like neutral. I mean, we're, we're actively harming like Mallory in this situation, I think. And, you know, recognizing that we're sort of talking about Mallory and that Mallory's experience is reflective of folks' experiences in, in our congregations. And, you know, right. more than one yeah. person's experience in our congregations. Like, I'm sure they want to, like, you know, this avatar is, is a comp comp composition of a number of people's experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that I, I'm thinking about the, um, you know, the, the board secretary, a white woman immediately mm. centered herself in her own discomfort, framing the situation as attack on herself by me, me being Mallory, that, that by, by doing that, we, and by allowing that behavior, we, we say that comfort for some is the purpose of our church. That, mm. that is comfort for some mm. at the expense of others. And, you know, your tie back to our theology, that's not actually theologically sound, that it's not um, centering the comfort of some over the pain of others. Um, even as we think about the principles changing, mm. it's not right. there. Right. And it, it makes me think of... Um the conversation actually we were having about governance, <laughs> but this idea of like, what does it mean to really put our values in the center of the church? Or what does it mean to put our faith in the center of the church? Um, and that, you know, that one of the things, if we're not intentional in thinking about that, I think one of the things that lives at the center of our church is, is comfort, is comfort for white folks, mm -hmm. is comfort for the folks who are, you know, in our churches who are benefited by the way they work as they work now. Um, and, 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 and again, like that our churches are not like separate and cut off from the rest of the world. Like we're reflective mm -hmm. of it. Um, yeah. 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 And that for me, there's a, there's a very um, profound call in our theology towards growth. Mm. We say it explicitly in our principles, you know, the, the free and independent search for truth and meaning, but that means that we're actively searching and that we're actively growing and that it is a really critically important piece of what we're doing together that does not exempt us from conflict, mm -hmm. that, that we don't get to say, oh, no, no, we're not going to have conflict. It's, it's uncomfortable. We have to have conflict because we have to grow. And that, that is theologically grounded for me, that, that there is a call for that in Unitarian Universalism. We all get to grow constantly. We get to grow and change and it's hard and it's hard work to do. Um, and, I, and I think at, at certain points, the ministers um, th th that were in the system weren't pushing mm -hmm. anybody to grow or weren't mm -hmm. asking or inviting anybody to grow in the system. And if we're not growing, we're dying. So, um. yeah, it, yeah. I feel like it's very resonant with uh, 
my brain's like was very resonant with the trend section. <laughs> like, uh, like, there's very much the consistency. <laughs> there's internal consistency in this document. So, you know, we can, we can cheer for that. Yeah. It's yeah. Good. Yeah. And it, it makes me, you know, like, um, like Mallory's growth, the growth of this church, um, I guess my brain is in the space of like what could have been or like what um what what would we wish for Mallory I guess what would we wish for this church and for Mallory um given you know like clearly you know yeah I guess that's I um my question yeah I think I, I I'm going to go back to Adrian Marie Brown and, um, you know, moving at the speed of trust. Mm. I think that was the first mistake on everybody's part or mm. the first misstep on everybody's part is there was no trust between Mallory and the congregation, but going both ways that, that they could be in relationship, be in covenant with each other. And when things got hard, come back to covenant mm. and to slow down that relationship building and really to do the relationship building, to slow down the leadership and to slow down the, the you know, we think, oh, we have this new young person. She, you know, Mallory's only 35. We have this young adult who has all this energy and, and let's put them in all of the things, but we haven't done the important thing of building relationship. And so to slow down and to say, to build that relationship, where, where do you fit? What do you wanna do? What feeds you? Um, and so that we're, we, the church system is feeding Mallory before we're asking Mallory to give back. And, and that was the first misstep in my mind. If, if I could have done something different with Mallory, I'd be like, no, don't volunteer there. <laughs> get to know us, you yeah. know, make friends, get yeah. invested. Yeah. Um, and then start to give back. But how can we care for you first? And I think part of that being for me also, you know, I, I would wish for Mallory and for this church or this congregation church um, terms um, that they were already doing this work, right? I mean, that, that Mallory's not, that they were intentionally doing work. And so, you know, Mallory's voice is one that could help add to that, that could, you know, bring another richness yeah. to it, but that Mallory didn't, wouldn't have to feel like they were the one who had to like you know, keep being like, hey, you know, maybe put pronouns on the name tags, <laughs> like, you know, mm -hmm. like, um, like, you know, like, maybe we should do more with this white supremacy teaching thing and like push that, you know, mm -hmm. like not just have it be a day, like, you know, like that, like, that, 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 that there was, that that could, that could, that, that Mallory could have trust that, that was going on, you know, right. But that takes, yeah. the, there's a level, of not just trust, but transparency, yeah. right? The fact yeah. that it got pushed to the end of an agenda and then we tabled it and then it didn't get up again. And somebody was ignoring my emails. Like there's not transparency going on. I think if the congregation could have said, we hear you, this is an important issue. We can't do it right now. Mallory might've left on their own and Mallory might've been able to stay and whether that system long enough to see that idea come to light again but there without the transparency the conversation wasn't happening Mallory doesn't know 
Yeah. And I, and I don't think in this example that the church is actually holding it at the center. Just to clarify, like I was speaking more towards what I would wish for this church is that they were already doing that internal work and that, you know, Mallory could join that or not. Whereas in this case, it feels very much like Mallory is sort of having to keep push it. And I, and I, mm-hmm. I, I hear what you're saying about like, I do think there's also that level of like, um, yeah, like e- even if you're doing the work, right. I mean, people have to know, <laughs> like, otherwise, you know, like yeah. they can't be trusted. Mm-hmm. People just don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, um, Yeah. And, and I think really very, yeah. Like, like I'm also thinking about the relationship building amongst board members around some of that, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know if that would actually be possible here in this example, Mm -hmm. but like, you know, being in a space where Mallory felt like they could bring concerns or where Mallory felt like they could bring, Mallory felt like Mallory could bring concerns up at the board. Um, and like, you know, the board is clearly being very dismissive here, but like what I would wish for them <laughs> is that that there was enough relationship to have a conversation or to have a, you know, have a meaningful conversation about how even agendas are created, right? I mean, I think that's an incredibly, mm-hmm. like we, we talked about in the governance section, nominating committees as a site of change. Agendas are absolutely right. like you're controlling the topics of the conversation, right? Or like thinking about with boards, right? Like when are decisions made and how are those made are all absolutely (laughs) i think valuable questions to have Mm -hmm. as as a as a board and 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 they're questions often i think that take that do take that sense of relationship and and trust and covenant and like you know and and being able to say hard things and feel like you will be heard um yeah and, and and that yeah again that's clearly not what was happening here but yeah yeah yeah, and it's instructive because we have we have congregations and churches that are on the whole spectrum of not doing racial justice to doing racial justice and in between. And so what can we learn from mm. situations where it wasn't successful? And, mm. and part of that is the trust building and the communication and identifying where the power is. Yeah. What else? Was there anything else in here that we haven't touched on that you want to get to in this avatar? Yeah, I mean, one thing that sticks out to me is just this Mallory left <laughs> piece and just around, um, I have this memory of Herb and Sophia Betancourt, um, like talking about the grief around people leaving um, and, and thinking about like, one thing I think this avatar does, right, is like we see at the end paragraph, right, unwilling to encounter this on Sunday mornings, I stopped attending. Though I finished my board term, I missed meetings. I dropped out of the book club and no longer attend anything at the congregation. Um, like, where I think sometimes that can be like, oh, they're not showing up. <laughs> or like, you know, like, like, or something's like, oh, I just got busy. You know, like, like, where, like, how do I say this? Like, we're seeing all the root causes of this eventual outcome and I think at least to me reading it it's like yeah of course Mallory left like you know like but I think sometimes we only see the last part and not I mean we okay I also want to check my language there on like we but like like 
know, does that make sense? Like, like the, the way in which this shows all of the causes and like the way that that outcome was sort of this inevitable or it feels fairly inevitable outcome of all these little things and actions that the minister took, that the board took, that the board secretary took, that other members of the congregation took, like, yeah. Yeah, and it's the, it's the culmination of the microaggressions mm. over time that it, it probably wasn't the one last thing, but that was the, what is it, the straw on the camel's back, right? Yeah. It's the one last little thing that makes everything topple over. And so to see all of that told, you know, this didn't just happen in one day, it was over time, um, really points out how easy it is to overlook microaggressions that mm. they're, it's one, one comment, it's one misstep, it's one mm. thing, but that over time sour the relationship and, we, we, we haven't cared for this person in the way that I know that we're capable of. Yeah. That's the disappointment is not that they left because people leave churches and congregations all the time for good and bad and different yeah. reasons, <laughs> you know, and yeah. it wasn't, it was because we didn't care for, we, the congregation didn't care for that person's soul. Yeah. And, and, uh, uh, yeah. The part that also resonates with me is like is in the way we I know we're capable of, right? I mean, like, mm -hmm. like I am in this faith. <laughs> I've experienced places where it feels like my soul is being cared for, yeah. um, and 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 so I believe that Unitarian Universalism is capable of that, um, and so like there's a, you know, like tragedy grief around seeing that or around that yeah 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 seeing our own um flaws and and that we know that we are better we can be better we should be better and that like i think it's you know like our responsibility as religious people to to live into covenant and into our theology <laughs> so mm. it's not just you know like we could be better people but like we are unitarian universalists like live live what it means to be unitarian universalist in this world um and that's and that's I'm what it means i'm super excited mean. for that chapter <laughs> yeah yeah yes <laughs> yeah well and that's it too i don't know i don't know how much we got into this in the theology section, but that, that our theology is very much a lived experience theology. It's mm. not a end mm. times, you know, there's a better time coming. It's today, here, and now. Mm. And for us to do this good work here and now with the people that we're in relationship with, yeah, that's very much who we are. Right. And so I think like, you know, when that's not what we're doing, right? I think then the question is, what are you there for then? <laughs> like, if you're not there to care for souls. Like if you're not there to care for our souls together, our covenant, you know, like what are, what are you doing? What are you doing there? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. Or what am I doing? You know, I mean, I don't just mean to point the finger at other people, but I think that's a, that's a question. Yeah. Yeah. Which actually brings me to my challenge for 
the action for this episode is um, I, I was going to ask, I was going to invite you just to go care for your soul. And that, that gets, that's really just kind of too far, uh, too nebulous for me. Um, so as a religious educator, my, my challenge is um, to do something within your faith community that develops your soul, your faith, your spirituality, your spirit, um, either by taking a class, attending an event, going to a workshop, learning something new, is to live out our goal of growing and learning all the time. Um, and, and in that way, you know, get in touch with your soul, see what it needs uh, and how you can feed it. Hmm. I think that's all for today, Sky. Go in peace, go in power, go do good in the world, and go knowing that you are loved. At the end of the podcast, we'd like to say a few thank yous. Thank you to Unitarian Universalist Justice Arizona, or UU Jazz, especially to Janine Gelsinger and Phoebe Dubich. And thank you all for being with us. Remember that you can contact us at uusacredstory at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. <laughs>